Cambridge 105 Radio. Hello and welcome to the From the Pavilion podcast. Thank you very much for downloading. Uh, this week on the show we were joined by James Minot, to get his name correct, as he corrected me midway, midway through. That's uh, his name. He's from Longstanton. He was on the show. Longstanton doing pretty well, top of the Cams and Premier League Senior One. That's why we had him on. He also jumped in and took part in the quiz as well. We won't ruin why or what the result was either. And alongside me, as ever, was Nathan Johns. Evening, Nathan. Evening, Ollie. Bit of a presenter's nightmare, that, isn't it? When you get the name wrong and then they tell you straight away. <laughs> yeah, and also when uh, guests who are meant to be coming on don't come on. Uh, obviously, it's not their fault if they have issues of traffic or anything, but it is... It's get, I mean, it's hot in the studio anyway, but I was sweating a fair bit, let's put it that way. Yeah, I think you think you could tell that from some of the some of the texts I was getting from you, but it was it was very well managed as always. Thank you, thank you very much, and likewise for yourself. Um, haven't played any cricket then on the weekend. What, what did you, what did you get up to if you didn't play cricket? Uh, oh, a bit boring. I've got a de- I've got my last deadline of the year coming up, so I've been working towards that. Nothing too exciting. Just exams or dissertations no, uh, or dissertation. Yeah, just no no exams thankfully, which means. Previously, I've been able to play some cricket when everyone else are, is studying, but uh, now I do probably have to actually get a bit of work done. But hopefully, I think this this weekend we should be back up and running. When's your last game then? Because it, it seems like the university season starts ridiculously early when it's very cold, and actually, then when you just hit summer, it's like right, well done, boys, well played, well done, ladies. See you next season. <laughs> yeah, it was ridiculous. We played we played some prem sides in some warm-up games for both us and them and that was like two or three weeks before the Prem season started so yeah that was freezing and then we finish up first week first week of July was when we have depending on depending on whether you're first or second team you play a four-day game or a three-day game and then that's it so I think 8th of July everyone's finished which is weird because everyone's gone home by then from the uni so sometimes for the second team you might actually be struggling to have people around so it's it, the timing is a bit strange but uh, I mean I'll be here so I'm hopefully playing so I'm not going to complain too much Good. Uh, it's also weird. I always find it's weird how we play. This is locally, and and to be fair, probably everywhere else in the country as well. We play first couple of weeks of May, which often is rainy and difficult for selection. Not only because lads play football, um, but just generally, I don't know. People aren't sort of ready for cricket yet, maybe. And then our last game this year is end of August. And again, I know it's difficult then with football in September and some clubs have to negotiate pitches and, and find places to play but it just seems daft when the weather's always so nice in September that we start when it's hosting it down in May and freezing and you you contemplate lighting the sawdust fire because you're so cold or uh, and then you end up in September when it's lovely and warm and not playing at all and just sitting there inside the house doing nothing it's just odd well I've, I've always found with September stuff we've always back when I was playing club cricket in Dublin before I came over here September we used to have to try and squeeze in loads of midweek games to make up games that had been rained off during the season so we used to have all these all these t20s you know for catching up with the, towards september but then by then of course it gets, starts getting dark early so you have to try and start games at five o'clock which is obviously impossible for people with work so i suppose there's there's kind of that aspect of it as well with the light fading in september so uh, yeah may, maybe maybe we just try and they, see, they try and squeeze too much out of the season when it's too cold at the start and then gets too dark at the end has anyone ever tried to quicken the process from getting changed from work gear to whites and just like rocked up in a a white work shirt and just slipped on the old cricket trousers that's honestly i i think that I was, would be a look wouldn't I, it? it would yeah i was playing a game once a couple of years ago and i'm sure this lad had a white dinner shirt on long <laughs> sleeve and he had white shorts on as well and i just i couldn't work wow it out. the shorts as well that makes it doesn't it yeah it was like it's he's incredible. sort of going for like a weekend in ibiza straight after he's like 
running up to bolt that'll do and there off he goes maybe and gets he was. On the yeah maybe anyway. it's either that or you turn up to work and your whites that's a good point yeah you could do that i mean if you play cricket for a job then it's easy but if you don't <laughs> imagine you're rocking out or delivering the post or something in your cricket whites or uh, you have a few interesting conversations that's for sure yeah the being a bin man or and just rocking up in your oh, you wouldn't want to be a bin man you'd get your whites ruined yeah you would mm, it can't be great like striking through london if you were like a bank manager or something your whites would look a bit odd wouldn't it have you ever played <laughs> have you ever played in like a city like a cricket ground literally surrounded by not skyscrapers but building blocks yeah, I've played a few of the London clubs. I think Hampstead is probably the most central ground I've played at. And that's that's quite a nice area that's got lots of big houses and things like that around it. So that's so yeah, it's in- interesting because you're just driving down these busy streets and all of a sudden you go onto a sharp turn and there's a cricket club out of nowhere. <laughs> so it is it is a bit of a strange aesthetic, yeah. Is it weird playing with that much sort of traffic and buzz around you? Uh, nah, I mean, I'm kind of used to it. My, my cricket club at home is, is relatively central, so we're used, oh, to, okay. we're used to the noise of traffic going by and things like that. Fair enough. Okie dokie then. Well, um, speaking of Ibiza, weather's pretty nice here. It's lovely at the minute. What are we? Quarter past seven on Tuesday evening when we're recording this for the podcast. And uh, here is this week's podcast. Thanks very much for downloading as ever, as I said. And if you wouldn't mind commenting, subscribing or sharing on social media at FTP Cricket 105 on Twitter and Facebook is the place to do so. From the Pavilion on Cambridge 105 Radio. Hello, hello, good evening and welcome along to the local cricket show where we round up all of the action from around the county in Cambridgeshire. You're listening to From the Pavilion here on Cambridge 105 Radio. My name is Ollie Slack, Nathan Johns alongside me. We'll also be joined later on by James Minot from Longstanton. St Ives Town and Warboys will be taking on March Town in the second tie of round one in the FTP Quiz Cup. And as ever, we'll be rounding up the local action in the East Anglian Premier League and Cavs and Hunts Premier League, as well as bringing you latest from Triplo Ladies. James Minot will also be asking us his beer question too. You can vote on that on our Twitter pages. Head over to at FTP Cricket 105. We're also on Facebook. As I said, James's big question is up and ready for you to cast your vote. It's the pin tweet. You don't even have to scroll down. Thank you very much for tuning in. And if you're listening on the podcast too, if you want to get in touch, please do. We're in the studio. We're live. 07919 070 490 is the number to text. You can email us, studio at cambridge105.co.uk. Or as I said, social media at FTP Cricket 105 on Twitter and Facebook. So welcome along to this evening's show. As ever, alongside me is Nathan Johns. Evening, Nathan. Evening, Ollie. How you doing? Yeah, very well. Thank you. Yourself? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. Did you get any cricket on the weekend? Uh, no, actually, I, I rested my knee. This is going to sound very old manish. this is. I sort of injured my knee on the oh, no. first game of the season, and I've been playing through pain like a true warrior over the last few weeks. But, um, yeah, I decided to uh, to give it a rest, uh, given we had a, a decent turnout. Selection was good this weekend, so, yep, yeah, and uh, and we won. So uh, I won't be needed this weekend either. <laughs> what about yourself? A uh, week off this week, uh, uni boys, a lot of them have exams. So uh, we, we had a rare week off, which was... Bit frustrating actually, given the weather. But yeah. uh, how, how, how bad is the knee? Is that going to be a long-term thing? No. Nah, well, I don't know. It's fine to weirdly. I'm, 
obviously, I don't know why I'm saying this anyway, but no doctor, no no idea what's wrong with it. But it's <laughs> fine to to run in and bowl and and uh, and try and bat. But um, yeah, it's just sort of any impacts of fielding can't really um, can't really do to full throttle what I'd like to. That's probably no long barrier for you then. No, exactly that. And especially at our level, the standard, if you miss the ball, even with long barrier and the ball hits you on the knee, it's very painful. <laughs> not exactly what you want. No, no, it's not. Um, but yeah, the weather is the weather is a lot nicer. As I was driving in today, down Barton Road, there was a man, he might be listening, probably doubt it, but he, he was <laughs> cycling in, wearing full whites with a cricket bag strapped to his back and there were stumps laid out on the cricket grounds at King Selwyn and, and Queen's, the, the grounds around sort of Barton Road, that area, so maybe he was uh, fitting in some, some lovely midweek cricket. Ooh. Oh, things you love to see. I know, it, w- it did look nice in the sunshine. College grounds are lovely, are lovely around these parts, which I'm sure, obviously, you would know. You would know. Yeah, they're not bad. Kings and Selwyn, I think, is next door to Queen's, which I think is, is nice. Yeah. I think the best college ground is definitely up in Fitz. That's the nicest college Is it? Ground. Is that because you've scored yeah, lots of runs depth, there? 100%. Well, I think everyone scores runs up at Fitz. <laughs> I think the gra- the gra- can't remember his name, I think the- but the groundsman loves batting up there, so I think he just make- makes nice decks that he can whack it round on, so everyone else catches in as well, I think. I will hold you to that, yeah. Anyway, before we, uh, before we crack on any local stuff tonight, it is the return of the T20 Blast on Wednesday, which is tomorrow if you're listening to the show on Tuesday night. But, of course, over the past few weeks in the county championship as well, we've seen the magical return of crowds at all sports venues across the country and as I say county cricket has been no different with members returning to their beloved county grounds for the first time since September 2019. Dan Feast the Covid officer for Essex has handled the operation at Chelmsford he joins us now Dan thanks for coming on the show. Good evening Ollie how are you doing? Yeah very well thank you yourself. Yeah not too bad at all not too bad at all just seen the team off down to Somerset so again ready for their first game tomorrow in the blast as you just mentioned. Yeah yeah how are they feeling? Yeah, they're in good spirits. They're in good spirits. Obviously, Jimmy Newsham's turned up now, so it adds a little bit of firepower to the team. So, no, they're in, they're in good spirits and looking forward to start a competition. And obviously, say it helps when the sun shines like it is at the moment. <laughs> I think we all enjoy playing in this weather. Yeah, yeah, I think we all do. Um, but, of course, fans have been back in grounds, haven't they, over the past few weeks? When, when, were, when did you see fans back at, at the county ground at Chelmsford, Dan? Uh, we've had two games now uh, where we came can come back to to see crowds coming through. So first game was the Warwickshire game. Um, we had to work with our local authority um, following the guidelines. So we had a, a pilot during that game, which was 200 fans. Um, and then we had day one of the Knotts game. We were able to get up to a pilot 600 fans, and that's what we'll be working on for the blast. Hopefully, maybe getting up towards 800, um, depending on how how the, the next pilot goes on Friday night with our first game at home. And is it a case of, I mean, we've heard lots over the last few weeks from the government around that 21st of June day. As far as you're concerned, when that date hits, are we full capacity? What is the situation? Yeah, well, we as close as we can be to full capacity. No one's quite sure what the um, guidelines will be at that point. The mitigations, obviously, there's been quite a lot of um, rumours and, and speculation in the last couple of weeks. But, yeah, we're working on the basis that being ready, really, and I think like any of us have been over the last 18 months, really, <laughs> is adaptable and flexible to work within those guidelines. Well, we're expecting even with uh, the 21st, there'll be some expectations around the players' areas, and actually that will take some of our space still at the ground. Um, but we've got three or four plans lined up to be able to adapt to whatever the the, rest of the guidelines actually are or come out from that point. Yeah, you speak about adapting. What have the, the main challenges been over the past few months? Because obviously 
being based in Cambridge. We've had a good relationship with Cambridge United and spoke to their chief exec, Ian Mather. They really led the way in the in the English Football League in terms of getting fans back to to grounds and they worked with a number of authorities to, to try and make that happen and, and try and work out the, the blueprint, if you like, to get fans back. What what are the, the challenges been from your point of view? Because it was interesting chatting to Ian about things that you wouldn't consider, like where do you measure two metres from and, and obviously one-way systems around the ground as well, ticketing, of course, and, and how you might be able to get more people in if they come in bubbles. Are they, does all those things sort of sound familiar? Yeah, definitely. And actually, it's quite interesting. We have a really good relationship with Cambridge United. So we've been working with Ian and his team as well in terms of helping us to get back with us. Obviously, their experience was really helpful and beneficial to help us sort of plan ahead for our return of fans. And obviously, there was a, a little bit of a pause after they started. So it gave us a good job to reflect. Um, and obviously, they've helped us um, last weekend with helping to get the fans in to watch um, the Sunrisers at Fenners. Obviously, they played there at the weekend. So they're taking the learning straight away from Cambridge. It helped us. But the biggest challenge we've had at Chelmsford is just to, and those people who have been there, is the size of the ground. So straight away, obviously, it's a real benefit to us that we're right bang in the middle of the city centre, but actually it gives us some limitations in terms of our, our access. And the egress is only really in two two areas. One's through the Rivergate entrance that some people might be aware alongside the River Chelmer, and the other is alongside the new Rittle Street, which is actually a drive into the ground as well. So we've got that challenge. Plus then, obviously, our stands are fairly old, so things like the actual depth um, in the rows of the seats, the width for the actual seats rather than modern seats, which actually are slightly wider. Um, then you have to think right through in terms of right from the start, people coming to the ground because it is in a city centre. What impact would we have on, a, like I say, on this Friday night with potentially six, eight hundred people going out onto the town afterwards with people's perception and expectations still in a sort of a mixed area, really. You've obviously got those people who are very confident around where we are in, currently and then other people are still very nervous. So you have to take that expectation. And then looking at everything from... Where would people queue for a toilet? Where, what time are people going to go to the toilet? Is it in the interval? Do they go during the game? Um, to where do we serve food from? How do people queue up for food? Um, taking into the guidelines that people have to then go back to their seat to consume it. it it's all the stewarding and messaging um, around that, those points. So it's been a real sort of eye-opener in terms of how our ground works. There's been some efficiencies that have come from it, a bit like most places in society as we move forward and <laughs> we've taken a lot of learnings, but actually it's been a real chance for us to really look through every single sort of stage that a spectator goes through in terms of coming through to watch a game of cricket at Chelmsford. And and are you, as you're going along, collecting all this data to almost help, I say, other clubs? You mentioned Cambridge United helping you. Are you doing the same collecting data with regards to in these pilot events of maybe people who've, whether they've tested positive or negative after coming to the ground? You, have you been asked by the government to collect all this data to try and help other clubs no. as well? No, no, we haven't been asked to collect any of that sort of information from those points. Um, we do, obviously, normal sort of player set, a spectator survey, or survey they're coming back from. Um, some count, some clubs have done this sort of survey around players, uh, spectators to see what sort of, whether people were planning to have a flow test after they've been to the ground or what was their expectation on visiting, how many of them have been vaccinated before. So on a call today and up at Yorkshire, they had 88% of their uh, spectators that turned up for their county championship game had been vaccinated um, and 50-50 of them were looking to get sort of a flow test afterwards. So again, you have to manage all of those different levels of perception and expectations, but we haven't actually been asked to catch. All, we, all we're asked to do is a normal track and trace as if you're going to a restaurant or sure. a pub, as many of us are doing. So if, if there is a case, um, and there was a couple of examples of grounds at the weekend where track and trace picked up um, a small group of area or 
Uh, in fact, there was one game at the weekend, uh, one game in the last round of county championship where a spectator was notified during the game that they would tested positive. So <laughs> we have to be prepared for all of these kind of things coming through. But if people stick to the mitigations and the social distancing, it has less of an impact on people around them. Um, so it, it's it's more following the normal guidelines coming through um, and working with our local safety advisory group, um, which come out of Essex County Council, to to make sure the events perceived and gives the best experiences for any spectator coming along yeah and it sounds like you've done a fantastic job in making sure that that can happen how nice was it to see fans back over the last few weeks then Dan? oh it's, it's been a re- it's been really good to see it just adds to that atmosphere isn't it and the players want to that's part of it they also want to play at the highest level to test their technical side but actually they want to get recognized and rewarded and, and motivated by having spectators in there as well to sort of Recognise, and even at the weekend, we're able to get a few of the players' families in. They think they haven't been able to watch their mm. their players, their sons, who who and daughters with the sunrisers as well, who they've watched on their whole journey from the first time they picked a bat up, which is really key around that inspirational side. And they haven't been able to watch them for uh, in live for the last few. And obviously, some of them have meet, hit some real sort of peaks and some quite high-profile moments in their careers, and they haven't been able to see that. So it's been nice, just not only having the spectators and the members back, but also having the families around which give the players a real lift and the, and the, and the air and the, and the stadium itself and the ground a real lift so it's going to be great over the next couple of months having more people come back in um, and see how we move through that and obviously we've got on the 20th of july we've actually got the game against cambridgeshire which is going to be really good but obviously due to these processes we have to put in place we've had to move that from being played at Stafford Walden, which was the plan but it's now being played under lights um a day night game at chelmsford so there'll be the opportunity hopefully for a few more fans to come and experience that one-off game with with Essex playing against Cambridgeshire. Yeah, sounds fantastic. You mentioned under lights as well. This Friday, Chelmsford, Hampshire Hawks coming to town, albeit not full capacity, it's going to be a cracking atmosphere. Yeah, the the benefit of our ground is because it is so compact, which has given us the challenges around bringing fans back under COVID times, it, it, it is the atmosphere. So, even when we had 600 in there for the county championship day, it, it, it still gets a vibe. And on a Friday night with the light, brand new lights we've got now as well um, that have come in, so that will really, really get the whole place sort of going with the and the benefit now. And I think one of the real plus points with cricket has been the, the quick rise of, and level of the streaming now. So it's almost at the same level as what you would get from a normal TV production. So that's adding to it as well because we're not just getting interaction within the ground with the spectators but the interaction of people watching it live on home and around the world as well which would be really exciting yeah certainly has are you fed up with sifting through covid protocols are you just happy to to finally sort of get watch cricket now yeah finally get people in and just having people around the office has been quite nice and bumping into some familiar faces and seeing and having a conversation and sort of just having this opportunity to really sort of explain the processes that we've had to go through and follow and i think we're all in the same boat that we're just waiting to see what happens on the 14th of june and what what the next steps are really in terms of, of bringing more people back into the ground but more than anything um and it goes to into our second 11 coach this week whereas they didn't play last year it's just great that we're back out playing cricket and as you say that there's nothing beats on a sunny evening seeing someone in their whites going off to play a game in the evening whether or now we get with great right across the whole region with the, the All-Stars and the Dynamite stuff going on, just seeing kids picking up a bat and ball and playing and wanting to uh, escalate their, their heroes. Yeah, it, it certainly is great. Dan, thanks for your time. Really appreciate it. No problem at all, Wally. And any time we can help, and I say for your listeners, keep, look, look out for that 20th of July because if we are getting up to capacity, it's going to be a great evening at, at Chelmsford for Essex versus Cambridgeshire, playing under lights. So it'll be a good, good opportunity for people to come down and watch cricket live, which they've been starved of for 18 months.
very much looking forward to it. Thanks, Dan. No problem. Take care. Cheers. Dan Feast, the COVID officer for Essex County Cricket Club, there chatting to me. And it is great, really, to see fans back, isn't it? I mean, obviously, people watching the streams and, and seeing fans back over the over the past few weeks. It's been fantastic. And, and speaking of fans, none more so are they heard, are they seen, than the T20 Blast as well. We've got four fixtures starting on Wednesday. Lancashire Lightning against Derbyshire Falcons, Worcestershire Rapids against Notts Outlaws, Somerset against Essex Eagles and Kent Spitfires against Hampshire Hawks. We're going to preview those matches now and the tournament itself with Sam Dalling from County Cricket Natters, the podcast. Sam, thanks for coming on the show. You're very welcome. Good evening. How you doing, mate? I can't complain. The sun is shining <laughs> and the blast kicks off tomorrow. So all is well. I'm going to say all is well in the world. Not quite the case, but, but no. cricketing-wise. Yeah, there's a, there's a lovely silver lining, isn't there? Um, as I said, the blast is back. How much are you, how much are you looking forward to it? It's, it's not, not as condensed this year, is it? It's sort of a, over a longer period of time, all throughout June and July. Is that right? Yeah, it is. Well, we've got... well. I suppose it's still relatively condensed for what we've got, though. We've got 126 group games, I think, I, if my maths is correct, in about five and a half weeks. So we're all done and dusted in one period. So at least, I know last year was a bit of a one-off. But, you know, there's been criticism before of, how, of the scheduling and whether it straddles too long a period, which means you can't get the quality of overseas players. But this year, it's all in one block. So that's exciting. The quarterfinals and the finals day... Later on, the quarterfinals are late August and the, the finals day usually it's for the September time, isn't it? Yeah, spot on. We've got I think, week commencing 24th of August. You've got your four quarterfinals and then finals day at Edgebaston, which is always great fun. I say that as a Somerset fan. It's, the finals <laughs> day isn't always great fun. But yeah, mid-September, Saturday the 18th of September for finals day. I think it's sold out already, or at least it, they were sold out of the tickets that they could possibly sell yeah well i think i bought tickets the year before and they asked us obviously if you wanted to, to sell them and, and give them back and get a refund or just have them for the, the following year and we we took the, the latter option so hopefully fingers crossed uh we'll be going to that let's uh let's preview the teams though who do you fancy starting with the north group who you, you pick from the north group oh there's there's plenty in the north group. i think it's actually a much stronger group than the south group. i was having a look back through it it's Difficult to look, I, I know it's obvious, but it's difficult to look past the defending champions. Big blow for them today on the eve of the tournament, losing Dan Christian, who's got an Australia call-up at the age of 38. But they've still got so much firepower. They've got Alex Hales and Joe Clark, Ben Duckett, Pete Trigo. They've lost, they've lost Harry Gurney as well. But yeah, Warwickshire, I think, are really good. Um, both Lancashire and Yorkshire are really strong as well. Yorkshire have got Oh, they have Milan there batting at three. Johnny Bairstow opening the batting for a bit and Adil Rashid at least for a while. Lanks have brought, they're just, they've got actually almost too much, or too many top order batters to fit in. They've brought Finn Allen across and Josh Butler's playing and, and then you've got Alex Davis and Liam Livingston. So they'll be really strong and yeah, difficult to look past those three, I think. It's great, isn't it, when you mention some of the England players as well. It'd be great to see those over the next few weeks as well and, and strutting their stuff in the in the blast. Moving on to the South group, who are you you're picking from that? I presume you're going to pick Somerset, understandably so as well. Uh, well, I think Sussex are the strongest side. I think they could be very, very good. And they've got the, the, the usual names for them. Luke Wright, David Reese, Ravi Bapara had a bit of a lean summer, first summer for them last year. But I expect him to bounce back. you got Chris Jordan and... Tamal Mills, Phil Salt. So I think Sussex are really strong, even before you take into account the fact that 
uh, Rashid Khan is going to arrive for the second half of the season. Surrey were really good last year. I mean, they made the final uh, good run, so I think they'll be decent again. And Hampshire Hawks, they're always strong and they've just got quality throughout that batting order. And, and Darcy Short, he was over in 2019 with Durham and he got 483 runs at 44, I think. So if he fires, they're going to have a very good top order. And then, of course, the, this kind of cult favourite, Colin de Grandholm, is going to come in for the second half of the season. And there's, I mean, he's all over social media at the moment. So, yeah, so I've got a chance, but I think uh, they're a young side. It's a very different side to the kind of power hitters of a decade ago. So it'd be a young side. Could go one or two ways for Somerset. Who's your pick then for the for the best overseas, the the guns to look out for? Oh, for best, I'm looking forward to watching Finn Allen. Uh, I mentioned him a bit earlier. He's not so well known. He he was he plays in the same Wellington Firebirds side as a young lad called Devon Conway, who we've all probably heard of by now. But he was he actually outscored Conway in last year's Super Smash. I think he had about 500 runs as they won the title. It ended up getting a an IPL gig out of that. I don't think he played many games, but just the experience to be over there. And of course it was, it was called off early and it's only a small sample size, but actually if you look at the T20 strike rates, it is the highest in the world of it's 193.93. Now granted it's only something like 16 innings, but still that's an impressive start. So he could be one to keep an eye on. And as we've already mentioned, crowds back, it's just so good, isn't it? I think white ball cricket needs crowds back, doesn't it? It feels right when they're there. No, it really does. I was uh, chatting to someone earlier about a couple of games I was at last year. Weirdly, two weekends in a row, I was at Tide games. There was one at Lords, Middlesex versus Kent, where Kent were absolutely flying. Zach Crawley and Daniel Beldrum at the top of the order. And Middlesex pulled it back. And then at the end, that's, there was a last over. And I think they only needed six off the last over. I'm trying to think who bowled it. But it, would, it was the kind of game that would have had a full Lords. There would have been that tension absolutely buzzing. And, but with no one there the game kind of finishes and the players don't really know what to do. You sort of shake hands and, and walk off. But there was no, no it was very muted celebrations. And at the same the week after, actually, I think it was, who did I see? Maybe Essex versus Kent was a tie. Um, but yeah, it just needs the crowd. And I was at Somerset this weekend. And the first wicket I saw, it's only, well, I say it's only, it's Red Bull cricket, but just the cheer when a wicket fell was kind of spine tingling. It sent shivers down my spine. Yeah, I think that reaction will be echoed across so many different people throughout the country because they'll be delighted to have people sitting in the ground with them. They'll be delighted to be in the grounds themselves. Sam, thanks so much for coming on. Really appreciate it, mate, and uh, we're looking forward to the blast. Uh, you're very welcome. Thank you for having me. Sam Darling there of the County Cricket Natters podcast. Up next, we'll be turning our attention to local cricket and running up the action from the East Anglian Premier League and Camps and Hunts Premier Leagues too. From the Pavilion on Cambridge 105 Radio. You're welcome back to From the Pavilion here on Cambridge 105 Radio. Still time to vote on James Minot's big question this week, which is actually pinned to our Twitter page at FTP Cricket 105 if you want to cast your vote. And his question is I'll reveal it now. Save the hassle. Is player behaviour and sledging in club cricket getting worse? Oh, it's another biggie. And as I said, it's our pinned tweet on Twitter. You can cast your vote. Let us know. We'll be discussing it at around about 6.50 this evening. It's time to wrap up the local cricket from the weekend, though, and start with the East Anglian Premier League as all four 
of our local sides were once again in action this week. It's uh, Whites and Red Bulls, remember. And Sauston and Abraham continued their unbeaten start with a 90-run victory over Mildenhall to stay top. Mark Smith was the pick of the bowlers, taking 5 for 20. It's moving all out for 105. Saffron Walden took 16 points from a draw with Copdock and Old Itswitchian to move up to 6th in the table. Alistair Russell starring there with an innings of 92, whilst Bowen Lexing sadly lost once again, going down by 7 wickets to Bury St Edmunds. But good news for Cambridge as they managed to get their first win of the league season. After posting 174, aided largely by Deminda Ranawira's 97, Captain Lewis Hill led by example with a fantastic spell of bowling. 7 for 50 off 14 overs, propelling his side to a narrow 11-run victory. I caught up with Lewis yesterday, but no, not to talk about his 7 for, I couldn't let him gloat, as Cambridge were also victorious on Sunday in the National Club Championship against 2019 champion Swarston, chasing down 210 from 40 overs on the very last ball. The win takes them through to the regional final against Peterborough Town. Before then, they have the chance of facing a club from anywhere in the country in the last 16. So after a below-pass start to the campaign, does Lewis feel like his side of rather turn the corner. We, we were a bit unfortunate with the weather leading up to that that T20 competition. We had three games rained off in a row, so there was no chance to get any momentum built up. But the T20 was a great opportunity for us to kind of go into a format with a bit more of a relaxed and, and sort of positive mindset. Obviously two wins there and, and we've not looked back since really. So it's been a great run of games for us. We had a, a close game against Copdock, it was um, a few weeks ago, where we had the nine down and we were one wicket away. We got 250 and they got restricted them to less than 120. So that was a great effort from the lads. And then on the Sunday in the national comp, we, we beat Frinton, who are obviously a very strong outfit. And then, yeah, we've continued that form into this weekend, beating Ray Wichenham and then obviously the uh, the national club champions, Swanson, on, on Sunday. These national competitions are really enjoyable to go far in. I you know, did it a few years back now um, when I was a a little bit younger but um, I know how enjoyable it can be to get into the later stages and the later rounds and with the restrictions sort of easing and things hopefully as you get to those later rounds the crowds tend to come in and you get some you know good turnout you play in front of some some decent decent atmospheres so um, you know every game we play in we, we play in it to win we're not playing in it just to take part so um, yeah we'll uh, be looking to the next round now and be trying to put a a very strong team out again and we'll, we'll see how we can win that one. Fictionalist hasn't been too kind to you, just as you look like you're hitting your straps. You have a, the visit of the league leaders in the East Anglian Premier League, Sauce and Abraham this weekend. Not many teams have seemed to have found a, a chink in their armour so far. Bearing in mind they're at a local side and you know them pretty well. Do you think you, as skipper, you'll be able to find that chink at all? We always believe we can beat anyone. I think the league this year especially has shown that there's no given result, if, if that makes sense. You know, that everyone seems to be beating everyone bar Sourceson, <laughs> who have obviously won all their games. So th- this league is so highly com- competed in that all it takes is, you know, one or two people to, to play well and, and the game can be one way or the other. But a lot of the players know each other from both teams. We've, we've probably grown up around each other, playing with and against in, in sort of junior cricket and, and maybe sort of Cambridge cricket as well. So, um yeah, we, we know the players quite well. We probably know their strengths and weaknesses better than maybe some of the other teams. But yeah, we, we definitely are going into that game believing we can win. Yeah, so Lewis Hill pretty confident. Why shouldn't they be after a 
good few weeks. Cambridge are up to ninth in the APL table, but host leader Sawson and Babraham this weekend. Tenth place, Burn Lexing travel to Mildenhall, and they'll be hoping Saffron Walden in sixth can do them a favour when they make the trip to 11th place, Horsford. Remember, there's 12 in the division. Time now to talk the ECB T20 Cup. Triplo were in action on Sunday, defeating Dumbleton by eight wickets in the Midlands Regional Semi-Final. Izzy Routledge had an excellent day out, bowling a tight spell of one for 17 off her for four, four overs in the first innings, before she anchored the chase with an unbeaten 64, those 64 coming off 61 deliveries. Earlier today, I caught up with Izzy to ask her about her performance. Yeah, it was really nice to get some batting in because um, I'd been away from cricket for about a week. So it was nice to be back. And I, yeah, it was a really like gorgeous pitch to play cricket on. Like we were in the hills in Worcestershire or Gloucestershire, um, like in front of like a massive hotel. And yeah, it was just a really nice wicket to play on. It was nice to score some runs there. Sounds lovely. Um, I wish I knew it was like to score some runs this year. Uh, talk to me about the tournament itself. So this, I believe, was a, a regional semi-final. So what happens next? You've got, you've got Berkswell in the regional final for the Midlands, so I believe. So what happens next if you win that? Um, so if we win the final, the regional final, we'll be through to the, na- uh, the national one. So all the regions will play together, which I believe is the last 16. So we should be yeah, against the top 16 teams in the country, which very exciting if we win. Very exciting. Do you, so what do you know about the other the other potential 15 teams should you win? Do you see this as a winnable tournament? Um, well, I don't really know that much about the other teams. So obviously, a triplo, we're very like Cambridgeshire-based. So we normally play Suffolk, Norfolk, that sort of region. So it'd be quite interesting if we sort of play somewhere. I guess like, I know Lancashire, Yorkshire, because I've never played any of the clubs there. You only come across them sort of in a county arena. So yeah, I, I don't know what's coming up, but looking forward to it. <laughs> And what about, very quickly, what about your own personal form? I've got written down here, you're averaging 40 this year. You must be enjoying yourself. Yeah, it's been okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, I had a few sort of dismissals that I'm annoyed at, like a couple of 49s, but uh, <laughs> hopefully yeah, it will continue, especially running into the EAPL. That's the big one for Triplo that we want to win. Moving on to the Camden Hunts, Div 1. Fresh after moving to the top of the table with a victory over Histon last week, Eden Sokin made up four wins from four with a convincing 130-run win over Cambridge Seconds. Joe Dobborn bludgeoned to 76 off 39 to help post 258 before taking a very miserly three for six. Elsewhere, Foxton notched up another win, seeing off Cambridge St. Giles by six wickets. Tade Carmichael fell six runs short of a ton for Foxton. Vance Bajaj for St. Giles did what Tate couldn't, scoring 111 of 130 balls, including seven fours and six sixes. That was the top score of the week in Div 1. Elsewhere, Histon coasted to an eight-wicket victory over St. Ives Town Warboys, with Kieran McKenzie, the pick of the bowlers, taking four for 35. Wisbech Town saw off Ramsey by 49 runs, and Stanford Town links were run close by Marchtown, but ultimately came out on top by 17 runs. Scott Chamberlain taking six for 29 there. That leaves the league table as follows. As we mentioned there, Eaton Soken stay top, followed by Histon, Marchtown, Stanford Town. Then we have Foxton, Ramsey, Wisbech Town and Cambridge. And then of course, the bottom two are Cambridge St. Giles and St. Ives Town and Warboys. Yeah, two of those sides, Foxton and Histon, were also battling out on Sunday in the Cams and Norfolk final of the National Village Cup. And it was the 2015 finalist Foxton who won, sealing their spot in the last 32, where they could come up against anyone else in the country. 298 of 40 was the target they set Histon, but they were all out for 197, with Rukshit Rao tearing through their middle order with 5 for 38. I caught up with a man bowling in tandem with him, Ravi Mahendra, who finished with figures two for 36. 
we take the competition seriously. The, you know, the village certainly buys into it, all the players buy into it, and it's yeah, it's a fantastic sort of prize to play at Lords the finals. So, you know, it is a forty-over game, so it's slightly slightly different to our Saturday cricket. There's a real emphasis on having that fifth bowler. I think the depth that we have at our club at the moment, it really does lend us towards having a, a well-built team for for the competition. Yeah, I think the experience is a, is a massive one as well. People often tend to find that extra bit of motivation because it is a knockout competition. Uh, I know we've spoken previously before about, certainly on Saturdays in the Tucker League, when you get into July and August and some of those games are sort of dead rubbers, it's difficult to find that motivation. But when you are playing knockout knockout cricket, it is, you, you know, you do find that extra bit of motivation from somewhere. And often it's, uh, you know, moments of brilliance. So in the previous rounds um, against Eaton Soken, we were, I think, 46 for seven. Um, and Adam Webster, who's club captain, you know, he came in and hit an unbelievable 70, which propelled us to 150, which ended up, you know, being being the difference. You know, similar on Sunday, things just went well for us. We won the toss on a good pitch. Our top four batsmen, you know, came off and, and got close to 50. I think Adam got 70 again. Um, yeah, and yeah, like I said, it's just that it's just having that extra motivation, knowing it's knockout cricket. It does really make a big difference, I think. And if it was the FA Cup, I'd ask you if you're dreaming of Wembley. So, are you dreaming of Lords yet? Yeah, I mean, there's a few, there's a few rounds to go, isn't there? Yeah, there are a few rounds to go. And the, this is where the competition really gets interesting because, again, some clubs are a bit of an unknown. So the draw is on Wednesday to see who we've got in the next round. Usually we play the winner of the Suffolk or Hertfordshire area. We'll see what happens on Wednesday. But you can often play against teams who you've never played before. And again, playing cricket on a Saturday, you know who the opposition key players are. Whereas playing in this competition against clubs you've never played before, you know, everyone that comes into bat could be a gun. You know, any bowler that comes on you know their best bowler. so you've really got to be on your game and I guess like I said that competitive nature that we have at the club and that the maturity and ability we have just to raise our game um, on a Sunday I think is something we really pride ourselves on so you know hopefully that can continue um, but we won't we're not thinking of Lords yet I think it, we are you know at least five rounds away um, but certainly yeah certainly excited about who we've got in the next round It sadly wasn't as good a weekend for Foxton 2s in the Camden Hunts Prem Div 2 they lost by seven wickets to Saffron Walden. Finn Carston there with a four for, for Walden, lifting them into the top two. Old Lesians beat Ufford Park by 34 runs to claim their first win of the season, moving them up to sixth. George Houghton held their innings together with 84 from 111 as they posted 203. In Division 3, Ed Fletcher had a pretty good day out for Burwell and Exiting 2s. Eden Soken 2s were at one point 156 for three, but only eight runs later were 164 for eight as Fletcher t- took two wickets in two balls. They finished on 182, Fletcher ending up with three fur before scoring 91 not out to win the game. Up to third as a result. Sawston and Babram 2s remain on top despite their loss to South Hill Park. Yeah, and we're going to continue moving down the pyramid as we welcome on this week's guest, James Minot from Long Stanton. Grasshoppers, the side who are top of the Camden Hunt Senior One. Thanks for coming on the show, James. Hi, Ollie. Uh, yeah, thanks for inviting me. Uh, it's, it's my not, by the way. But oh, so, sorry, sorry. Mr. Yeah, James right. Minot on the show. I'll let, I'll let you off. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, you sound like you're in a some sort of supermarket somewhere. Where are you? No, I'm in the pavilion at Long Stanton. We've just had nets, so I had a bat and then uh, just been listening to you the last 10, 15 minutes. Oh, good. How did the uh, out of the bat go? All right? Yeah, all right. I was just trying to whack everything a bit too much. You get that way <laughs> in the nets, don't you, sometimes? It's hard to try and replicate the same mentality is what you'd like to do out on the square but no it went right true true very true but it seems like it's going all right out on the square as well top of the table and you you must feel in pretty good form 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's not going not going too bad. Although we have managed to win and lose three games, but because we've managed to get every game on, um, the the verti draining at the uh, at the ground's pretty good. So um, we've managed to get a couple of games on that other teams had got rained off. So that's worked in our favour. But uh, hopefully, hopefully that means that we can take advantage of that. I was going to ask, has it been <laughs> three wins, three losses? Have you not had any rain at all in Long Stanton over the past few weeks? Uh, well, yeah, maybe we've been a bit lucky, but it has. It, it was pouring it down a couple of the, couple of games. But uh, yeah, as I said, the the verti draining and and the we've just got um, tarpaulin covers that seem to be more more effective than uh, you know the expensive covers you roll on because. Uh, as long as the rain doesn't get under the cover, then then the, the pictures are all right. So, yeah, we've been we've been lucky in that respect, maybe. Hi, James. Who have been your consistent top performers with bat and ball that have propelled you to the top of the table? Well, I, I wouldn't want to blow my own horn, but with with bat is, you know, probably me. But um, uh, Declan's Declan Fitzhenry's scored a few runs. Will Blake's got a fifty um, with the ball, also. Declan's uh, Declan's probably been our standout bowler, um, and then everyone's chipped in around and uh, joggers. Uh, we call him joggers. Joe Joe Gorman's been, uh, you know, uh, a linchpin as the as the captain, uh, keeping the spirits high and, and and making the decisions around the game. So, yeah, it's been it's been it's been a team effort to to use a cliche or two, but uh, yeah. Are you ex-Histon as well, James? I seem to remember sort of scrolling through scorecards of years gone by you to play for Histon. Is that right? Yeah, played for Histon for what must have been seven or eight years and left in 2019. What attracted you to the, clearly the, the very sunny Long Stanton then? Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. It's just, it's, it, you probably haven't got enough time for me to discuss it all, but um, <laughs> I, I just sort of wanted a bit of a break from cricket and I wasn't going to play in 2020 and then um, all of this uh, virus that I think you might have heard about that's gone gone around the place meant that I could only stay at home or, or possibly go and play a bit of cricket and um, I play football for Longstanton and about half the side that play cricket also play football so it was like you know just come down you know, as after after the football season, and and then you know I, I discovered a bit of love back for the game, and just take it from there, really. And you've a week off next week before a trip to Royston. Is it frustrating not playing this weekend to build on the momentum of going top? Uh, yeah, probably. But you know, I can just sit out in the sun, read the book, <laughs> watch the England play cricket or something. I, I not- mean, life goes on outside of. Saturday cricket, doesn't it? So maybe it doesn't for for, for for some that I play against, which which maybe leads into our chat in oh, 10, 15 minutes. You're teasing minutes. us, James. You're teasing us. But, uh, yeah, no, uh, not really. I mean, it, it might be a sunny day. It might be nice to be out hitting a ball around. But, uh, yeah, I mean, before, before Saturday, we'd lost the last two. So uh, momentum is a short, short... Um, a short-based thing if you look at it in that respect so um that <laughs> no, just take it as it is it's a week off you can go and do whatever you want and then come back and everyone's uh, raring to go 
it sounds yes. like James that you'll very much be uh, <laughs> looking forward to having that that break off and putting your feet up this weekend. We're talking more to James after the the break, and hopefully we'll have a quiz for you. From the Pavilion, on Cambridge 105 Radio. You're welcome back to From the Pavilion here on Cambridge 105 Radio. I think, I think it's now time for the second tie of the FTP Quiz Cup Round 1. Last week, Histon said hi, defeated Burl Exing's James Hickman. This week, it's St Ives Town and Warboys up against March Town. I'm delighted to say, hopefully, joining me from St Ives Town and Warboys is Matt Milner and March Town, Stephen Wallace. Are you there, gents? Yeah, I'm with you. Are you there, Stephen? Is he there? <laughs> is he there? Seeing the classic, classic problems of Zoom. We'll, we'll see if we can get him. We can get him working. Anyway, I'll just uh, quickly explain the, the the format to you guys and to anyone listening at home as well. So you'll be competing against each other. I will give you six possible answers and a question. The player going first takes a guess. If they are right, they get a point. If they don't, play them passes across to your opponent. If they get it wrong, play returns to your opponent until there is one answer left. To decide who is going first, you'll answer a separate question. Closest wins. We'd better check if Stephen's with us, because otherwise it's not much of a quiz, is it, if it's just Matt against himself? Although it's good for you, Matt, but uh, but not good well, for Stephen. Well, I'd, I'd do my best to lose, <laughs> I think. It doesn't look like Stephen's got it working. Well, I tell you what, we have got a replacement ready and waiting We've got James Minot from Longstanton with us. So uh, James will have to jump in Stephen's hot seat. James, are you ready to take on the quiz? I, I mean, I haven't uh, prepared for it, but sure. Sounds like a yes to me. Yeah, That'll do. Ahead. Do you understand the rules, guys? I, yeah. I, I, I don't... I, I was a bit phased out. You weren't listening. Doing right. it. That's right. Well, right. I, I, what was it? First one to buzz I'll, or something? I'll clarify the rules now, James. So, Sorry. That's I, right. I feel like I'm doing Well, not radio. your fault. <laughs> so you'll be competing against each other and I'll give you six possible answers and uh, a question. The player going first takes a guess. If they're right, they get the point. If they don't, play them passes across to your opponent. If they get it wrong, play returns to your opponent until there is one answer left. And to decide who is going first, we'll answer a separate question and the closest to that answer wins. Do you get it now, James? Are we there? Oh, more or less, I think, yeah. Good. We'll just, go, just go for it and then we'll see how it goes. Brilliant. Let's go for it. So the first question is... Darren Stevens clinched his second five-foot of the county championship season last week against Northamptonshire, but how many first-class fifers has he got? Matt, we'll go with you first. What do you reckon? Uh, I'll go with nine. Nine. And James, what do you reckon? Oh, I've got to go ten, then. <laughs> is, it, is, it, is that, like, unsporting? No, not what you can do no. what you like. The answer's 31. So James, yeah. so James takes it. So you're in control, James. So this first question is for you. Are you ready? Yeah, sure. So excluding the two men who reached three figures in the first test between England and New Zealand at Lords, who hit the next highest individual score? Was it Dom Sibley, Henry Nichols, Joe Root, Ross Taylor, Ollie Robinson or Tom Lathan? Who are you going for, James? Uh, I think it was Nichols. You going with Henry Nichols? Hmm. It's correct. Point on the board. Very well done. The, uh, the next question we'll throw over to Matt. This is question two, Matt. The extension of the Edridge and Compton stands at Lords means the ground's overall capacity is now what? Is it 
25,600, 28,600, 31,600, 34,600, 37,600 or 40,600? Have you been listening to the commentary uh, over the last few days? Uh, probably not as much as I should to know <laughs> that answer. Um, I'll go with 28,600. Going with 28. It's <clears throat> wrong, I'm afraid. Play passes over to James. What do you reckon, James? Uh, the 31 one. Going with 31. Oh. Oh, nailing it. He's on fire. He gave me a good... This could uh, be a quick one. <laughs> <laughs> Question three then, James. Play back over to you. Who was the top wicket-taker in last year's T20 Blast? Jake Ball, Ryan Higgins, Rhys Topley, Matt Parkinson, Ollie Stone or Tom Helm? This would clinch it. Oh, I, uh, the, the leggy Parkinson, I think. You going with Parkinson? Really sure. It's wrong. Throw over to Matt. What do you reckon? Higgins. Wrong. Throw back over to James. <laughs> what have we got left? Jake Ball, Reese Topley, Ollie Stone, or Tom Helm. Topley. <laughs> it's wrong. Back over to Matt. Topley, Higgins, um, and Parkinson are gone. Ball, Stone, and Helm is left. Helm. You going with Tom Helm? <laughs> James. Jake Ball and Ollie Stone Ball left. Stone. Ball or stone? Yep. Oh, God's sake. I don't <laughs> have any, uh, Ball. Jake Ball. He's right. No. Oh, well done. Well done, James. Last minute substitute you. and you've done it. Matt, commiserations. Yes, How do you feel? Uh, it's about, about our luck this year anyway. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Matt. Matt, you've been a great sport. Thanks for taking part. Really no appreciate worries. it. No worries. Oh. Cheers, mate. Matt Milner there from St Ives Town and Warboys. James, you're through. Well done. Well, does that does that mean I have to come back another week then? Well, What's going on? You don't. <laughs> it's true. I go. I guess. Yeah, you weren't involved in this process 15 minutes ago. Um, yeah, if you want to, you can come back again. Yeah, or so no, no, it's been it's been quite entertaining actually. I've thanks, got, thanks for that. Yeah, or, or someone else from Longstanton, either or. Yeah, we could we could mix it up. Yeah, if if anyone else would like to. There you go. I'll, I'll well done. So out. congratulations. To James Minot, he makes it through to round two of the FTP Quiz Cup. Congratulations to him. After this very, very, very short break, we'll be getting James's big question. Cambridge 105 Radio. From the Pavilion on Cambridge 105 Radio. Yes, I know people have realised, but we are quite tight for time this evening. Nathan and James are with me still, and uh, we've got James's big question. James, I'll let you do the honours. What is it? Um, what, what, what was it phrased as? Uh, is, is, uh... Do, do you know what, James? I'll do it for you. Is player behaviour and sledging getting worse in club cricket? So you asked this question, and earlier you alluded to the fact that it might be, so I'll let you give your views first of all. Um... Yeah, I, 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 don't, I don't really know. I think it, it depends on the club or, 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 or the atmosphere between you and, and the club you're playing against or if they feel they've been wronged in some way. But um, I don't know. I just I just find maybe East Asian Premier League and the, the, the level above, it's much more like sort of professional, you know, there's just the standard amount of sledging. But... In the league or two below, I don't. I won't name names of clubs. I feel 
there's a few players that think they're a bit better than they are or a few clubs that think they're a bit better than they are and they you know use that to to have an edge over an opponent and I, I, I don't really agree with it well I mean I'm not a big fan of sledging full stop but I think it it does have a part in the game but there's there's a big difference between you know a bit of ribbing and a bit of like oh you know he can't play cover drive you know he's 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 he's, he's yeah. shocking to um abuse or something personal about your your family or, or yeah of course nathan what's your thoughts on this i mean well, it's, it's interesting because it's actually been a while since i've played club cricket and um, playing university cricket it, it's i think it's definitely it's not as prevalent with the uni stuff i suspect that might just be because everyone's in around the same age you know you've got a bunch of lads all between 18 and 25 and i think in my experience playing club cricket a lot this legend has come with you know either a young guy thinks he can have a pop with an older lad and or the older lad tells him to pipe down so I think once you, when you've got guys who are all in and around the same age, it's probably not not as big a deal. What do you make of um, the introduction of the well, I say stunt mics? It's been around for a while, but the fact that the ICC can now effectively review the footage, the audio footage you get from from stunt mics, because obviously we knew Josh Butler, didn't he? I think it was the the last tour down under, uh, sorry, in, in South Africa, got into a bit of trouble for something he said to Vernon Philander. Do you feel? Do you feel that that? Uh, do you feel that the introduction of stunt might now means obviously it's players at, at the top level will get picked up more and, and that could filter down? I guess these players are role models at the end of the day, aren't they, James? Yeah, I, I, I guess so, but I don't know. There's there's a there's a difference between some some of the the, the sledging that goes on in the international game, which you, you you could look on YouTube and view see if you clips and it'd be quite amusing and and then the stuff that crosses crosses the line and um you know i've 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 had stuff like my parents should disown me or or you know you'll never get a girlfriend what or this or that like you know it's just like what 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 are you talking about this is a game of club cricket and whether that comes down from tv i don't know i just think it's some some sort of angry men that have not got like you know just like getting their frustrations out of 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 life or whatever's going on in the world on on the weekend and it's it's not it's not it's not it's only a minority but um yeah i i I don't know i i I kind of prefer it so far this season at, at senior cricket you've had like there was a game at Needingworth and George Smith ball hit his pad and he and he told the umpire it wasn't a wide, it hit my pad and, and, and they go and change the decision and like that's overly the top in my opinion of like sportsmanship but it just shows that I, I want to spend a whole, I'm spending a weekend with you with the opposition as well as myself, uh, as well as my team and I want it to be pleasant to play with you every year and have a beer after, like, the game. Like, you, you play hard, but that's the sort of environment. I, I I pay to play cricket. I want it to be, you know, you want to win and you want to make it difficult for the batsman, but you want a nice environment to play cricket with and, and play the same players every year. And sure. May, maybe if certain players of certain clubs are going to hear this and not be too <laughs> amused by it, but... Um, one thing I must say is, you know, 
I, I guess if I don't walk when I nick it to first slip, that that does rile them up somewhat. But uh, <laughs> you don't nick it, James. That's the thing. So you don't have to worry about that. In well, in a few seconds, we haven't got long left. Just uh, in a word, just answer your own question, then, James. Is it getting worse? Yes or no? Mm, don't know. <laughs> oh, he's bottled it. From the Pavilion on Cambridge 105 Radio. What a bottle job. <laughs> Comes on here, asks his big question. No, James has been great. Thanks to James Minot for coming on today's show. Thanks to Nathan, my co-host, as ever. Thanks to the quizzes, James the Late Substitute. And Matt Milner from St Ives Town and Warboys. More of it to come next week, Tuesday at 6 o'clock. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Cambridge 105